0: It's the 60 Go Podcast, proudly sponsored by Mint Sports. I'm joined on the phone today by Damien Seabolt. Seeds, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm going to start with the Sharks today because that's where all the news will be heading in the next hour or so, with the team list just dropping. Uh, There's been a few... Casualties from the weekend's team, and most notably Talakai to the bench and Matt Moylan out of the team. What do you think of that,
1: mate? I I get I get it. I do um, a little bit of a you know, sniff of well, we have to blame someone, so let's blame Moylan because we're not going to blame Nico.
0: Um, and I'm
1: not saying Nico's at fault. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know. I, I think I think yep. there's some some issues going on with with the Sharks and. The amount of points that they conceded on the weekend, at full strength really really highlights that. Um, T- Talakai and Moylan next to each other clearly have some defensive um, issues, but they're going to miss um, Talakai's yardage game. Yeah. He gets them out of trouble. Him and him and Ramian come in and back up those big winners of theirs and really get them on the front foot. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out.
0: Is there a theory, though, that they're the number one attacking team in the comp or near enough to it, right? So if you sacrifice some of that, then that's okay if you can somehow come up to top seven defensive team because they need to be better.
1: That's right, but you see it happening. I mean, we've got two years now of of seeing when they play good sides, they struggle to win and now it's become when they play good sides, they're getting hammered. And it's not even, you
0: know, they're not even close. Yeah. I don't know. The The Warriors were certainly impressive over the weekend, uh, but I would say that this comes back to the Tigers game. I didn't think that the Tigers were anything flash, and for them to go in at 12 all at halftime, the, the alarm bells were sounding then. And of course, you can go back to the stat that they can't beat top eight teams, but the, the fact of the matter is that fundamentally, defensively, they're very poor.
1: Yeah, that's right, and that's, You know, the Tigers aren't... They're not a good footy side. At the end of the day, they're not. There's no beating around the bush. And and they did trouble them. And they troubled them for a long time in that game. Um, Yet they got away from them in the end. But but I don't don't know. Look, I I really don't. I think there's too much of a focus on attack there. And it's strange because um, Fitzgibbon's been touted as a a defensive coach and the defensive mastermind of the Roosters for so many years. And they just seem to be leaking... Leaking points at will. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid to say it. The, the elephant in the room is, um, is Nico. I've been talking to a couple of mates and, and they're really good footy brains. Um, in attack, when it's on, it's on. When it's not, he's, he's way too sideways. Um, way too sideways and defensively. A, a mate of mine who um, has coached at a really high level, actually, pointed something out to me the other day. He shoots out of the line now because he's scared to make a defensive lead. So you watch him, he'll shoot out of the line, and nine times out of ten he gets away with it. The times he doesn't is when he shoots and he doesn't get there quick enough and he plants the heels, and that's when people will burn past him.
0: There's clearly a top nine now in the competition. So we spoke earlier in the year that maybe you know a team could jump from 11th to 8th in the last week, I don't see that happening now. Um, the the top eight, oh, sorry, the top nine, I think is very much solidified there. Do you think that the Sharks could be the team that misses out?
1: Well, their for and against isn't getting any favours. I suppose the one positive there is is looking at it now. They still have a hundred um, difference, so they're positive one hundred. So Parramatta's positive ninety seven. Um, rabbits are positive ninety two. The Cowboys are the one with the, the worst for and against there, but obviously they they've hit a purple patch and they're tracking in the right direction. I think whoever wins out of Para and Cowboys this week is safe. They definitely make make the finals. The Sharks, they they've got that buffer of two points on those sides, so I think they're um, you know, they're in a, a fairly comfortable spot for me it, it, it's a toss of the coin like, legitimately i agree with your statement knights manly titans um well Knights and manly really they've got the, the extra point on the other side they' they're just not close enough they're not going to make the eight um titans dolphins Roosters, no way they're just they're not too much work to do and they're not good enough
0: and if you look at the Raiders, the Raiders obviously have the worst for and against out of the top eight teams, but they're four points clear of Parramatta, South and the Cowboys. So I can't see them dropping out.
1: No, I, I agree. Um, you know, I think the Raiders have a, they don't have the easiest run home. I know they've got the Warriors this week and, and then the following week they've got the Knights, which, you know, is one of those games that the Raiders win. They're, they're assured of making the finals if they lose. They're in trouble. But I just think, like you said, that four points that they've got up their sleeves,
0: it's going to be huge come the back end. The the other team that Sharks versed over the weekend was the Warriors. They were really impressive. Um, I think that they're... I'm, I'm going to pencil them in for a top four spot just because of the run that they've got. This week's a big one, obviously. I think that they play Canberra. Um, but I, I, I think it's pretty safe to say that They'll make top four on their on their schedule.
1: Yeah, definitely, mate. And, and you, you think um, they're on the same amount of, of wins as Canberra. So if they do happen to win this game, they've then got the extra buyout their sleeve. That's right. They'll put it between themselves and, and Canberra. Um, you know, it'd be good. We should have a, a deep dive into the Sharks' run home because if the Sharks have got relatively decent teams... They could they could drop out of the eight if if they've got a run of bottom four teams. Well, you know they'll they'll push for the top four because they'll belt those teams. Um, This week they 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 don't.
0: Sorry to cut you off. They don't. It is quite tough. They've got Manly, Penrith, South over the next three weeks. So that's three tough games. And they've got the Titans, the Cowboys, Knights, and then they finish off with the Raiders. So it's it's certainly not the easiest run home.
1: Yeah, this this next. Three weeks will probably determine it, won't it? I mean, you know, while Manly lack that um, that attack with with Tom being out, um, they have shown that over the last most of the season, but especially the last few games, that they're gritty, that they're, they're not going like, to roll over. So, you know, they, they make life difficult. Where the Cowboys are um, arguably, uh, excluding Penrith, in the best purple patch in the comp. Would you Would you agree with that? Yep. And, um, and, you know, Manly found a way to go with them. So it's no lay down there that um, the Sharks are going to beat beat Manly this week. It's probably a toss of the coin. If they win it, top four's alive. If they lose it, your earlier prediction of could they drop all the way out, well, you know, it could be on.
0: Well, that round 25 game against the Cowboys, that's that's the one, isn't it? That's the one that everyone should put a pen around because, yeah, you know, the Cowboys, and this just shows you, like, how much you can't afford to do what they did because they were so bad at the start of the year and they lost so many games that they should have won that now they've hit this unbelievable form. They've been on fire for two months. They're still not in the eight.
1: That's right. And I I honestly... If I was to, you know, bet the house on one of these sides not making it, well, it's it's still the Cowboys because at the moment they're still not in the eight. I know it's only on four and again, but they're not there. So... All the other teams have got to do is continue to win the games that they should win, and the pressure just piles up on the Cowboys.
0: That's right. And that
1: a really big game this week, parra Cowboys.
0: Yeah, it is. Yep, absolutely. And the the Cowboys they can't afford any any slip ups. Like they've they've been playing essentially semi final football for seven weeks now.
1: That's right, and and they were really good on the weekend as well. They weren't. You know, they just didn't get the job done. They, were, they played really good footy on on Friday night with those guys backing up. And, you know, I thought, well, Saturday night, it was a, good, it was a quality game of footy. And um, Tom Dearden is outstanding. He is playing unbelievable football at the moment. And I know we spoke about it um, a month or two ago. If it wasn't for Tom Dearden, they would have been sitting bottom two or three at, at one point. And um, I just think he's continuing to play great footy and, you know, really steering the ship for them.
0: Is he a halfback or a five-eight, Tom Dean? Long term?
1: Well, he's a halfback. He, he takes over from Cherry Evans for the Queensland side. In, in my mind, I, I think he is traditionally we would have known him as a more natural six. But again, you know, there's no difference between six and seven really, um, unless you are a pure runner of the footy. Both both blokes are you know responsible to steer the side around and. You know, Tom Dearden's got a very good kicking game, so he can handle that with ease. And he's still a young boy. He's still, what, early 20, 21, I think he might be. So he's got a lot of maturing to go and And Townsend will uh, certainly be dining in, in that um, that space.
0: The Cowboys played Manly over the weekend, and uh, obviously Manly went down. Um, I think it's safe to say that Manly's realistic final aspirations are probably gone now. Oh, um,
1: good man. But mathematically, all the way down to, well, you could argue all the way down to the Roosters can still make it. Mathematically, Knights and, and Manly can still make it because they've got that extra point on board. But I, I just I just can't see it happening. Um, Knights have left their form to way too late. And and Manly, to beat the good sides, you need your best players. And, and Tommy's worth more than just one, one good player. He's probably worth two or three good players. That, that's how good he is.
0: So in the land of reality, uh, Manly can't make the finals, so let's just work on that premise. Uh, what are, What is Manly's goals from here? Because, no, Tom, uh, and it's such a shame because there are some athletes who are destined to just... their body is just not capable of, of um, playing the role that they need them to play in, in their career. We've seen it lots of times over, over the years in professional sport, not just the NRL... But uh, and and Tom at the moment he certainly looks like he's going down that track that you know we'll we'll be talking about in ten years that we never got to see the 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 great Tom Trebovich have an extended period of time so and he's only getting older like these these problems aren't getting smaller so what what are the goal what are the goals here from Manly for the rest of the year?
1: Um, just on Tom, like you know, if he was thirty, I'd be I'd be concerned about him. Um, you know, I mean, more than more than what you are anyway, because at the end of the day, the, the poor bikes had that many injuries. It's, it's not funny, and, you know, it's... I just hope that he gets some luck at some stage. But, you know, he's only, I think, 25, 26 still, so yeah. th- there's, there's plenty of hope for him that he'll, he'll have a, a really strong career. As far as Manly goes, I just think that they need to continue to show what they've shown the last few games without him. Um, that grit, ripping in, showing... Um, yeah, showing that they can be competitive in, in in every game, they'll win a couple on the way home. They'll lose a couple, but I think for them it's just important to to look at a few things and and really work out what they're going to do with a couple of guys. Um, you know, obviously, Bruce is not going to be the five eight moving forward, and it's easy to say, well, let's move him into the back row now. But you have to have someone that can actually do a job, if not, you know, well, do the same job if not better, and. And I'd argue that they don't. That's um, It's just one of those things. Like, Cooper Johns is... He, he, he'd be a great bloke to have around the top 30. Um, every now and again, he can he can fill in and, and do a job. But consistently at that level, I think, um, you know, he, he's probably not there. Jake Arthur, is still such a young guy. So maybe an opportunity there for him to, to play a bit of 5'8 and see what happens with... The Schuster in the back row, but I just think they need to show what they've shown in the last couple of weeks. Keep working hard, be in games, win a couple, get some confidence, get Tom back. Luke Brooks coming is going to be, um, I think, it's going to be a really good thing for them. And um, and again, you know, it's probably shown once and for all that while Gareth is is one of the world's best competitors and he's in everything and he tries his heart out. His yardage game is unbelievable. He just lacks that um, that little bit of X factor that a lot of the good fullbacks have with his, with his hands. So, um, you know, looking at a couple of things there would be, um, would be interesting as well.
0: I just want to move on to Penrith. Uh, they beat Redcliffe over the weekend. Now, I would argue that the Penrith team of last year is better than the Penrith team of this year. But... On paper? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But they are still so much better than every other team, particularly defensively. The ability that they can rest, you know, all these players and still have, in the end, what is a comfortable win against another NRL se- NRL team and start heavy favourites and, you know, just, just carry on, uh, speaks to a lot of things, speaks to quality of coaching, speaks to... Depth of the squad and how important that that is, but to me, even though that I would argue that last year's Penrith team was the best of the Penrith teams that we've seen, this is this team is still the best.
1: Yeah, it made it. It is. It's look two hundred and eighteen points after after seventeen games. It's it's phenomenal. I think it worked out to be around thirteen points, roughly a game that they're conceding.
0: Yeah, just under thirteen points.
1: Yeah, and I just. I can't see who is going to beat them. We spoke about the Cowboys before. Well, the Cowboys are going to really find uh, find things going tough in the next six to eight weeks because of the run that they've had to have. And like you said, they've been playing semi-final football for two months. They haven't had a chance to rest any of their Origin players. At the end of the day, did they have seven seven Origin players for the last two games?
0: Yeah.
1: I think that I think that's the number and. And then they've had to back up, and all of them have had to play again straight away. Whereas Penrith have rested everyone; they haven't risked anyone once. Anyone that, uh, like, I'm sure Cleary, if, if it was must-win, he would have played on the weekend. Yep.
0: You
1: know, why risk him? Why risk him? Save him. Freshen them up. They're going to get better and better as the season goes on, and it's going to, in my opinion, it's going to be a um, a suspension or a um, an unfortunate send-off or, or something like that is going to be the only thing that stops them stops
0: them from winning the cup <clears throat> Well, if you look at their defensive record, so the magic number you look for is sixteen and a half, right? So sixteen and a half is the average uh, points conceded by every premiership winning team in the last in the NRL era. Sorry, so in the N R L era, all premiership teams, sixteen and a half is the average points that they've conceded throughout the year. Now, to make the grand final only one team's made it Conceding over twenty points a game—that was Parramatta last year. So the next closest defensive team, so Penrith are conceding twelve point eight, which is an historic level of defence. So it, it's it's the best defensive team that we've seen in the NRL era. So the next closest is the Storm, who concede nineteen, and
1: yeah.
0: then between nineteen and twenty-one, there's eight teams. So the 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 stark comparison between Penrith and the rest is is so crazy. It's not funny.
1: Yeah. But it's- that. Like seven points a game, essentially, or yeah, you know, or just over six points a game. That's that's a converted try. And, and you hear about um, any of the uh, professional punters who talk about big swings in games and blokes being suspended and, and star players missing. They normally talk about that being a you know a two and a half or a three point swing. Uh, you know, at at worst a, a four point swing. A full converted try better than everyone else is. For a team that, it's not like they're a bad attacking team either. They're, they're scoring you know well over 24 points. I think it might be a, a game of themselves. You just find it hard to, to see someone being able to topple them. The, the, not, the, the games they have lost have been just clearly they haven't turned up. Scrappy games in torrential weather where um, a couple of things didn't go their way. They bombed a couple of tries. But even in those games, they were only conceding 13 points.
0: Well, you mentioned the Penrith losses there. I'm just I'm just looking it up very quickly, but I know for a fact two of them were in torrential rain against um, the Broncos round one, and then the Tigers later on in the year they were in torrential rain. Souths, uh, they it was a remarkable comeback by Souths in the last ten minutes to get that done, yep. and South played absolutely out of their skin that night. Uh, the other loss that they had was a um, Mitch Moses field goal. So when Cleary kicks the greatest kick of all time to level it up, and then the other yeah. loss was against the Cowboys when they had all their origin players out. So, like, there's, there's no one coming in and bullying Penrith for a week. Like, the most that they've lost a game by this year is four points.
1: And, um, and probably that's, you know, outside of something dramatic happening to them, happening to them like a send-off, Someone like a South probably is the only team that can beat them because they can put on three or four tries in 10 minutes against anyone just if they, you know, Luttrell and and Cody flip the switch. So it's really interesting. And and that night um, against, well, Tigers and Broncos, the night against Broncos, I think they had three or four disallowed tries. And the the game against the Tigers, they they bombed a few in that game from memory, a couple of drops over the line, and it might have been a kick. Um, and Rich shade off a, a fingertip that was disallowed as well. So, yeah, it's they're impressive.
0: They've got two one-point losses, a two-point loss, and two four-point losses. That's yeah. <laughs> it's it's almost laughable when you look at it and how good they are. And like, I'm not sure what they are to win the comp, but I tell you what, it'd be a brave soul to bet against them. I, I'll just throw this out at you. This, like, I don't think anyone will beat Penrith this year in the finals, All right? So, what if Pappenhausen was to return for the Storm and he was he was the Pappenhausen that we know? Are, are the Storm a chance?
1: Oh, of course they're a chance, but I, I don't. Yeah, look, they're, they're probably second or third best side. They just seem to be a long way away from Penrith, though. I, I, it, even with happen I just can't. I can't see them. I can't see them, them beating them. Look, the rabbits. I could see them beating them, but I can't see the rabbits finishing higher than, than fifth. And I don't trust the rabbits to win three games in a row. No. It's, it's one yeah. of those. Um, I was just looking at the odds here. It's hundred are about two dollars seventy-five still, which is, which is pretty good value to be honest. Um, it, it's almost one of those you, you'd be prepared to to spend 50 bucks, throw throw 30 on something real rough, you know, uh, uh, a rabbits, warriors, cowboys, Paratype at 19s or para, uh, rabbits at, at sevens, and then um, cover yourself with 20 on on Penrith just as a saver because 275 if they get to the semi, you're not going to get much more than a dollar. 45, you know, I wouldn't have thought for them
0: anyway, so, yeah, it's, yeah, crazy. <clears throat> They'll start favourite in every game that they play for the rest of the year and rightfully so. Um, yeah, I, I do think it is Penrith's comp to lose and I, I, it's remarkable saying that. I used to have a, when tipping premiership winners, I, I, I used to always have the theory never ever will I tip a team to go back to back and here we are saying that a team <laughs> would be stunned if they didn't win three in a row but, yeah, um, it's...
1: Yeah. Do you think the injuries, suspensions and the the depth that they've got where they have been able to rest everyone. It's actually just completely changed my thought process on on Penrith this year. And again, I also reckon that they went into round 1 or they went into that World Cup challenge with possibly a couple of weeks training under their belt. Look, all of those World Cup guys would have just been given that much time off, it wasn't funny. And you know, you can see now how, how they're slowly getting fitter, stronger, little glimpses of, of the Penrith that we normally see are, are starting to come out.
0: Well, here's the thing as well. So if Nathan Cleary was out, right, let's say he got injured in the finals. If they start Jack Cogger, they're still starting favourite in every game. Now, it might not be as much, but they're still the favourite to win. So the fact that you can take not only their best player, but the best player in the competition out of their team and they're still favoured to win. Um, they're
1: still favoured to win. But that's that's the type of thing that would give um, you know one of the other teams a, a legit chance.
0: Oh, and I get that, and I, I agree. But part of me also thinks, we just saw it a week ago when the Storm were up 14-0 against Penrith at home. No Nathan Cleary. Storm had everyone except Pappenhausen, obviously. And they got destroyed.
1: Yeah, they, they did. They did, and and the storm for for a team that probably hasn't been that impressive all year. Um, that was a yeah, it was a shock to see them come out of the blocks what like they did, and then get hammered for the next fifty minutes. Um, you know, just just looking at it, it is so compressed. Like the Cowboys are nice, but they could easily still finish top four if they, if they continue the run that they're on it is it is
0: crazy uh the team that the storm beat over the weekend the roosters um we spoke about manley's goals for the rest of the year what are the roosters because the roosters are done so do they trot oh, well i think sam walker's actually been shut down for the rest of the year as well so it's no point talking about him um what do you think that do
1: you, do you think sorry to interrupt mate You're do right? you think that he's gone back there
0: I think that they would have. Uh, I don't think it would have made a difference. Um, I think they need to have some really tough conversations at the Roosters, and I tell you what, I would be. Um, I I think the conversations need to be had around Luke Keary in particular. Now, I'm not sure how they replace him. Um, I've got I've got no suggestion for that, um, but I just think. There are so many people at the Roosters who we looked at at the start of the year, and we would have mentioned as part of names that were going to help them towards their premiership this year because they were one of the favourites for it. But there are so many of those players that have either lost a step or not playing their best. Or like, tell me one Roosters player who's played their best this year.
1: No, no, they're not. I mean, Swale—he's he's, you know over at English, sorry, at that Australian rugby already mentally. Um here he's trying hard out, but he's he's not playing great. Manu is going okay. Um I would say Teddy is falls into that it's not as bad as what people make out. The whole um things are never as bad as what they seem and they're never as good as what they seem. I, I think Teddy's probably in that basket. It probably hasn't been as Disgraceful as, as what's been made out. He certainly hasn't been good, but he hasn't had much around him. The, for me, the, the big things that, that stand out is Brandon Smith doesn't suit them. And Victor Radley's the conversation that's got to be had. I mean, he's not playing good footy at all. He spent half the year on the sidelines suspended. Now, I'm not saying he's not a good footballer, and if he left, you'd be jumping as quickly as you could to try to wrap him up. But it's just not. It's not a good. It's not a good environment at the moment. He's just not playing good footy. But the amount of errors that his penalties he gives away, the amount of time he, he gets suspended, um, it'd have to be a thought. What do you think?
0: Oh, I totally agree. I, I think that there are some liabilities in that team, um, and you just look at their bench, right? And I know that they've got a couple of injuries at the moment. Okay, I get that. But this is their bench this week. They've got Brandon Smith, Egan Butcher, Sewell Wong. And Terrell May, like that, doesn't really strike fear into the the heart of many opposition teams. So, like, oh, like Egan, Egan Butcher,
1: he's another example of someone who's probably gone backwards. Who was that? Sorry, Egan Butcher. Yep. Yeah, I thought he was. You know, he, he was really playing some good footy last year, and um, it's not it's not happening for him. Um,
0: well, Nat Butcher, I thought should have been picked for Australia last year. That's how good he was going.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, again, going backwards. Um,
0: Actually, there's one player who's played well for the Roosters this year, and that's Lindsay Collins. But it's been a Maroons jersey.
1: Yeah, exactly right. Because I thought he was horrendous on the weekend.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: Um, um, but th- again, you know, he, he's backing up after a tough Origin series. There, where he they've given everything he has. he's allowed to have a, a night, yeah. a, a night off.
0: But you just um, you just look at some of these names, so. Warria Hargreaves is going around again next year, right? So eventually he will fall off a cliff, okay? And like some would say he, he already is starting to decline. Not not rapidly, but he's certainly not what he was five years ago. Nathan Brown no. Nathan Brown should not be in this Roosters team. No. And you've got people like like Jay Turpin at the start of the year, like was lucky to get a was lucky to get a starting spot anywhere, let alone the Roosters. So, and I'm not, ta- I'm not trying to bag these players. I'm just saying that for a team at the start of the year that was equal premiership favourite, this is one of the biggest disasters we've ever seen.
1: Put this into perspective. I would argue that Jack is one of their best players at the moment.
0: No doubt about it. No doubt about so that, it.
1: But you know that shows exactly where they where they're at based on the the, the statement you made before. With. With, um, in travelling to get a gig at the start of the year. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting.
0: Joseph Sewell, he, he's gone, and you know what? It's, he's, he's under contract for next year. If I was a Roosters, I'd be trying to get out of that for, for next year. I'd be saying, go, see you later. Cause he's on a lot of money at the moment.
1: And, and sitting down and hey, mate, you're a winger. There's nothing more to it than you are a winger. So it's stopped with the, um, experiment of playing you in the centres. Because you know it's pretty obvious that that's where he's suited. Tough carries in yardage, leaping for um, for crossfield kicks, and um, and just he's safe under the high ball. So it's it's interesting because I just don't know I don't know what other what other options that they they do have at the moment. And if they move him on, well, yeah, Dom Young's coming in. Do you reckon Dom Young's reconsidering that decision?
0: Absolutely. How can he not be? And particularly with the form that Newcastle's found over the past few weeks,
1: yeah, that's it. They've they've really found a template. You know, Bradman best. I I'll probably fall into the trap of being one of the most guilty of of not being not criticising him because I, I reckon there's I know there's a good player there, but being critical of him. But I think it's a lot to do with you're forgetting that he's a young boy. He's 20, 21 years old. They're probably wanting a bit more. It's not like Zach Lomax, who is 23, 24 now. Bradman Best has still got a lot of maturing to go. So he's starting to come into his, his best footy. Caleb um, Pong is playing really, really good footy. They've dropped the experiment of playing him in the halves and moved him back to fullback. It suits them. If they can keep the Safiti brothers, which I've heard whispers that you know, may not, they may be looking to move on. Um, definitely, they've got the core there to, to be a top eight. Well, to continue to be a top eight type. Before last year, they were a top eight side for the previous two years and they fell off a cliff. Yep, the Warriors, the Warriors are, are, are the side that I do think can, can cause some damage. And, and six weeks ago, we can go back and, and look at podcasts that we, we did. And I reckon I said the exact opposite. I, I said, no chance, they're pretenders, and it's not going to happen. Well, the, the further we move on to, towards semi-final footy, if they have a home semi, good luck.
0: Yeah, and and a healthy Sean Johnson. Sean Johnson, like a lot of people saying, Payne Haas is a lock for the Dalie M. I'm not sure about that. I think I think Sean Johnson is going to be right there on on Dally M. night, and he um, he's playing the best he ever has.
1: Oh, I agree, and and realistically, Wade Egan's playing excellent, best he's ever played. Charms. N- Fox that every now and again, he has a really cracking game. But it's hard to think who consistently would take points off Sean Johnson. Every time they win, he's going to be getting the 3-2 or
0: 1. Yes. And just on that, so we just spoke about the Roosters, right? And I asked you, which one of these star started players has played their, to their best level this year? And we couldn't name one. You look at the Warriors, and at the start of the year, you would have said, this is an average crew. Well, every single one of those players is playing career best form, and look how they're going.
1: Yeah, exactly right. Um, Adam Tanua Blake is back playing at his best and playing big minutes. who Harris, who I thought has been you know not great the last couple of years, he's playing good footy again. Um, Dalong really starting to to find his feet and play good footy. So they've got a really strong side, um, and some of the ball playing that Johnson is doing is just phenomenal. It's it's not going for the miracle play or the big play. It is just creative, great ball play.
0: So does that does that fall back onto a conversation then about coaching? Do we have to look at uh, uh, Do we have to look at Trent Robinson? Do we have to, or do we just sit there and go, "Hey, Andrew Webster's the greatest thing since sliced bread"? You know, everyone for years was saying Cameron Seraldo is going to be the next big thing, and he may well be, but Andrew Webster certainly wasn't bringing nothing to those Penrith teams, evidently.
1: Look, I know. I think Robinson has got too many runs on the board to be, be too critical um, of his coaching but again there'll be the detractors who'll, who'll sit back and say oh yeah but you know anyone could have coached some of those sides that won comps because of the, the star quality that they had there and the leaders that they had in, in Cronk, Sonny B. williams etc. You know, Jake Cran, board coordinator. So leadership plays a, a big part it's clear that Webster's doing a great job there, and whether or not he's... One of the things that I think that they've done, and without being there, you just don't know, but I think that everything's been simplified. I think they've got a really clear and concise plan on what they're trying to do, and um, and it's helping Sean Johnson, because he doesn't have to overplay his hand.
0: The other thing I'd mention, too, is defensive systems. So... Andrew Webster has obviously tried to the best of his ability to bring in the Penrith defensive system because it's the best and it's the one that he knows. Now, um, it's not as good as Penrith because you don't have the quality of talent that Penrith does, but it's certainly working well enough for them. And then if you look at the Roosters, Roosters, have the Roosters just not evolved? And I say that because Craig Fitzgibbon was the assistant coach there. He did a lot of the defense work at the Roosters. When the Roosters won back-to-back competitions, they were the creme de la creme of defensive teams in the competition. I remember watching them as a Melbourne Storm fan whenever the Storm would play the Roosters and I just think, man, we just cannot score a try against these guys. So, it does it come back to defensive systems and the fact that the Rooster system, which Craig has obviously taken to the Sharks, has that just fallen behind a little bit? Have these guys failed to evolve a little bit, maybe?
1: Well, the, the, the Sharks defense isn't that good. So... Oh, I don't know, that's a... That that's a tough one. The the Roosters, I'm just having a look. Defensively, then they're what? They're about eleven. So yeah, they're about where, where they should be. It's just the fact that they can't score a try to save themselves. That's that's where the issue lies. But you know, are there questions to be asked around the Roosters and some of the people that have moved on over the last couple of years and how that's happened? And I'm talking coaching staff. So you know, if it's given less, um, going back a few years, Adam O'Brien had his time there, and he, he was probably, I mean, there's 12 months anyway. Uh, the interesting one for me was that Jason Lyles during the year that he expressed interest in wanting to be a head coach, and it was right well, up, beat it, see him, you, mate, you're gone. And they just, they just dump him, dump and run.
0: So, do you think that that has hurt the Roosters over time?
1: I do think it's hurt the roosters and I also think that it is a um, it's a snapshot of, of a potentially a, a deeper thing that's going on there. Yeah. So with it's power plays, concerns about um, what what Jason Rolls was gonna take to another side. I mean to, to just dump someone like that straight away without um, letting them see the contract out. When, as far as we know, it wasn't about performance. He hadn't gone and done something. He just expressed that he wanted to go and coach, a, be a head coach somewhere. Um, I don't know. I just find it interesting, and it's one of those things that it could be a part of what the deeper issue is, and that's what we're having a chat about: is are there other things going on, and and, and what might they be? Um, because if you look at the, the Tigers, and oh wow, things aren't looking great there at all with. Um, well, with Fulton and, and Benji obviously not seeing eye to eye and, you know, how much say has Tim Sheens really got there and who's really the coach? And and if, if Marshall is the coach at the moment, well, are they sitting back and thinking, oh, hang on, have we done the wrong thing? If you believe what you read, which I don't, um, there's already been, you know, called, made out to, to Justin Holbrook to, to suss out what he's doing and whether it's to be an assistant or, hang on, mate, just, you know, keep, Keep your powder dry because there could be an opportunity here
0: soon. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, I will just say on the Roosters, they they came out earlier in the year when the Jason Rolls thing happened, and they were it was it was alleged that they were quite disappointed with the the fact that they had become in their eyes anyway a bit of a coaching carousel. So you've had Fitzgibbon go, you've had Adam O'Brien go on, and now you've had Jason rolls all go on to. Eventually, Jason Rolls you think would take over the Storm now, but you you would think that all these like all these guys have moved on to be head coaches. Well, you know, like, do you want to be good or not? Like, we've seen the Storm carousel of assistant coaches go on to be head coaches all around the league. We've seen the Penrith one now. Like, it's these it's these coaching trees that are continual things. Like, you know, your brother has Shane Flanagan there. I'm sure. I'm sure, like, <laughs> he knew at the start of the year there was, a, there was a half-decent chance Shane Flanagan might get a job at the end of the year. So you, you want the best people around you, and if you aren't secure enough to have the best assistant coaches, well, then you're not going to succeed. Like, it's as simple as that. Like, the best teams have the best oh, assistant coaches.
1: Exactly, mate. And, and it's not, yet the season might not go for 12 months, but the coaching staff, they work 12 months. And what was Jason Royle's? going to pick up in the next four months that he hadn't already picked up in the eight months previously so you know it's not like he's going to learn more stuff to take and use at a different side he already would have picked up the um, everything that he wanted to take from from the roosters and implement and put into his own style anyway so uh, i don't know I, I don't get it unless of course there was a blow up something's happened which obviously you know we're not there so we don't know
0: no. Uh we'll finish off today by just discussing the last little bit of origin that we'll discuss for a while. Um you and I have had a debate uh, um about who should have been the player of the series. So Reuben Cotter got it. Um do you agree that Reuben Cotter should have got it first of all? No. Okay. So we're both in agreement there. Now, Cotter had a good series, there's no doubt about it. He was really solid for Queensland. But uh I I am I am in the camp that he should not have got it. I can pick I can pick three players who I would have had ahead of Cotter, at least three, I should say, um, who should have been ahead of Cotter. How many do you have ahead of Cotter?
1: Uh, well, I have him in my top three. So, Cotter, Terry Evans, and Munster are my top three for the um, you know players of the the series. And I, I get I get Cotter getting it because Munster and Terry Evans weren't great in Game Three, and Cotter was still Cotter and got through his 48 tackles and and 17 hit-ups or whatever it was. So I I do get that. But, you know, to answer your question, I have Munster and Cherry Evans as one of those two would have been my player of the series.
0: Okay, so I'm in agreement there. So Munster and Cherry Evans, to me, um, should have been... Well, I would have been happy with one of those to be man of the series. I thought uh, game two, Cherry Evans, game one, Munster, uh, particularly particularly were very, very good. Uh, The... I would have had Lindsay Collins as man of the series though. Um and I'll I'll tell you why. So game game sorry, uh game one, uh he was he was obviously really solid all three games, right? His stats are not mind blowing. I totally get that. Um his like he's he's not Ruben Cotter with the forty-eight tackles and the seventeen hit ups. I, I totally understand that. But his effort areas I would argue were the best of any player in the whole series. His effort to be there for that game ceiling try in Game 1 uh, when uh, he, he, he got there against James Tedesco. Um, his efforts in uh, Game 2 when he actually did get man of the match, which is funnily enough, because I thought that arguably his, his best games were Game 1 and 3, which is quite funny. Um, but in Game 3, I would say he was Queensland's best player again. His effort areas were phenomenal. Every, every run that Queensland had, every half break, he was there in support. And I know that these are not, you know, mind-blowing things. For, well, well, actually, I would say they are mind-boggling things for a front-rower to be there every single time. He batted two balls dead for um, that would have been tries if he didn't. So his effort areas, to me, were supreme. And like, I, <laughs> it's quite remarkable that he plays for the Roosters, who are so awful in these areas at the moment. But uh, I would have had him as my player of the series, but I would have lived absolutely with Munster or DC as uh, one or two.
1: Yeah, and I understand exactly what you're saying. Um, and I'm not saying that Lindsay Collins wasn't excellent, because of course he was excellent. He was, he was great. Um, but, but for mine, like, and I know we've had a chat about this, I just wouldn't have him in my top five or six players in the, in the series. He had big moments. His effort areas were great. Were his effort areas great? Were they any better than anyone else's? Was it because we just don't expect Lindsay Collins to come up with those plays? You know, th- these are all the things that, that come to mind for me. He did the things that... Well, Pat Carrigan does those things every game. He did those things every game. Yeah, he didn't have the, the big moment where he plucked a bomb out of the air and, you know, obviously exposed Teddy in that game. But someone like a Carrigan... And I don't even have Carrigan in my top three or four, but I'm using him as an example... He pushed up in support every time someone was, you know, in space. He chased his, uh, um, his ass off every time someone made a break. He was always there. So, is it because we don't often, we don't always see those things from Lindsay Collins that we're probably inflating the performance a little bit, or is it, you know, what he was great and, and maybe, maybe I've just got to sit back and and not not overanalyze it because, yeah, for, for mine, I just don't think he was in the best five or six players in the, in the series.
0: I spoke to Hannah briefly after game game three. I F- felt sorry for Josh. <laughs> he had to get on a plane the very next morning to go to New Zealand because they got pumped and then they got pumped over there. So it wasn't a great week for Josh. Traffic, yeah. um, but Coach's nightmare of a game for Queensland. They were just 1% or 2% off in literally every area.
1: Yeah, you, you can tell. I mean, I, I think in the first, couple of sets they look like they might have been up and about for it but after that it was um yeah like you said that couple of percent everyone was just off um i thought valentine Holmes was was really bad to be honest yeah it was, it was the worst game of football i've seen him play and um and all it takes is being a couple of percent off someone to have a an off game and, and you said well they never look like losing that game
0: the The sense of urgency felt like it wasn't there by Queensland. You know, in game one and two, there was a real sense of urgency because they won game one, and there was a real focus on winning game two. And the scoreline showed that they blew them out of the water. But the and it and I understand why it is, but it must be it must be hard to get up emotionally as much for a game three that you've already won than it is a game one or two.
1: Oh, for sure, man. That's why I was so adamant in our last uh, podcast before it, that I just couldn't see New South Wales not winning. Like, all those things, there's a, there's a reason it happens once in a blue moon. And, and we spoke about Queensland having the best footy side, let alone best origin side, that has potentially ever played. And, and even they could only do it once. So, you know, it's it's tough. And, and I can't remember who, I think it was Billy Moore actually brought it up during the week and, and spoke about, I think Game Two disguises a few things because you know New South Wales were not that far away. Game One, they made a clear error in, in Game Two by playing Cook out in the centres and he got exposed. So they probably weren't quite as far away as what what we thought originally. And and again, it wasn't a surprise that they found a way to win that third
0: game. Who was your biggest winner of of the Origin series? As far as like who 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 do you think had the most surprising series from a Queensland sp- perspective going forward.
1: Um, well, I think I think we know that Walsh is a, a great footy player, and he's got that X factor, and so I don't think that, even though he was so good, I don't think that shocked us as much as what you know we might have thought um, if it was this time last year. I think um, I think someone like a, a, a Cotter. I think for me, he he went from. Of course, he was excellent last year. We know he played. Um, you know, he played that game for Queensland before he got injured, and he was good for the Cowboys all year, and we we knew there was something there. But for him to not be playing great, the Cowboys to not be going great, to all of a sudden do what he did, you know, it, it's it really sets him up to have a good seven or eight year Origin Origin career now. So, so someone like him, I think, is great. Going back as well, you look at, you know, we know that Harry Grant's going to be there. Munster's got another few years. Jerry Evans probably doesn't have much longer at that stage left in him. Um, you know, your Carrigans and, and Proceders, guys like that, they've got a lot of um, good footy ahead of them. You know, Valentine Holmes is, is nowhere near as old as what you think. The Hammer was, was excellent and, and he's someone that it wouldn't have shocked me, you know, put him into the discussion around player of the series as well. So So there's all of there's all of those things to to, to think about. But, oh, look, the resilience that they showed was just, was just excellent. But the point I was going to make before was, with that game three, we did some really strange things. We really did. You know, apart from the boys had probably had a bit of fun. They deserved to have fun. Let the hair down, had a few beers in camp. Why on earth did we swap Harry Grant and Ben Hunt? That's A.
0: It's a strange one.
1: Why on earth did we use our seventh sub with 18 minutes to go?
0: Yep. You
1: know, just, just a couple of things that were strange and, and I hardly heard anyone question it.
0: Yeah, uh, and if if that had lost loss on a series, I think we would have seen a lot more questioning about it. Um, I just want to highlight two players that I thought were... Tremendous, and I'm really excited for them going forward. The one, the first one you mentioned him is the hammer. Um, defensively, he was outstanding, and that was a big concern, obviously, going into it. But his speed—it honestly looks like he walks past them. Seriously, like he—he he is yeah. just so on another level when it comes to his acceleration, and he—he's um, really exciting for Queensland going forward, particularly because we've got barely any centres. So, for him to bed down that spot with Val, who I know had a shocker, but he's the Australian centre. Oh, yeah. I I know that he had that bad game, but to bed those two positions down, I think is really important for Queensland going forward. And I just want to mention one other player who who only played one game, or half of one game anyway, um, and... But I, I just think he's going to be so crucial to Queensland going forward, and he was what Queensland were missing in Game Three as far as getting under the skin of Cody Walker. Because I've got no doubt he would have, and that's Tom Gilbert. Uh, I think he is is in pen going forward for Queensland.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he he's good, um, Gilbert, and you know the the, the Dolphins certainly miss him. Um, yeah, so it, you're right. He definitely he would have made a difference. I don't know if it would have been it would have changed the result too much, but he certainly, um, he's got that bit of aggression and, um, he plays on that line, doesn't he? Between, yep. You know, losing his head doing something <laughs> silly and just purely ripping in and, and making life tough for everyone.
0: And, and sorry, I did miss one player, but he could have got me in the series actually purely off of his defensive work. And it's rare that you say that about a winger and that's Murray Tillungi. Some of the tries that he stopped were freakish.
1: Yeah, he was, he was good. Um, wasn't um, electric in attack and didn't get a great um, amount of opportunities with with the ball or you know to, to score um, tries, which is what you think of with a winger. But saving them is as important. And look, I reckon I wouldn't be exaggerating if I said he saved four tries over the first two
0: games. Four certain tries too, like yeah, not no, definitely not 50/50s. are four certain tries. Hey, Steve, good to talk to you, mate. Thanks, mate. This has been the 60O podcast, sponsored by Mint Sports, and that is full time.